Well, my name is Mark, and I am one of the elders here at Wyndham Baptist and have the privilege of uh, preaching regularly, and I love being part of this team. I've been here for 15 years, and it's so great to see your faces here together this morning. Um, let me just explain a little bit what we're doing, because this might be one of the more unique Easter services you've been to, just because from this point to this point, probably it's been pretty similar. After this point, it might be a little different, and we don't want anybody being um, too shocked. Here's the plan. We have been walking through the story of God. We've taken the whole Bible, and we have boiled it down to 10 weeks, and today we are on week 7. So it's like we're in the middle of a movie marathon. Have you ever done that? You're watching Lord of the Rings, you're watching Star Wars, you're about uh, the second movie through and you're getting to the end of it. That's where we are. We're in the middle of a story and we're following it all the way through. So today is going to be the seventh act, if you want to call it that, the the scene where we get to find out more about who Jesus is together. We encourage you, we'd love to have you finish this whole story out. Uh, If you really want to understand just what's the story of the Bible, that's why we're doing this. We figure 10 weeks we can focus in on. Um, second big factor about this is that I'm going to talk, once I get done with some of these introductory things, for about six and a half minutes. You're going to talk for the rest. Uh, I have questions. And what we want to do is open it up to you to answer questions. It's a dialogue. And we mean that. Now, this isn't a dialogue as in a quiz or a test where I'm just asking you to spit back the right answer. It's a dialogue in that it's a conversation for us on what we just heard as we went through the story together. So I'm, I'm just asking you to feel free to listen in. I'm asking you to feel free to ask questions. I'm asking you to feel free to participate. One of the things we love is that some of our youngest people here have been adding so much to what we've been talking about. So it's great when I stop talking. And it's awesome when you start talking. Okay, so so that's another big part of this as we do this together. Uh, You also don't need to know a ton about the Bible because the questions we ask today will flow out of the story, the six and a half minutes as I talk. That'll give you the story, and we're going to build things out of there. And and for those of you who have more information, more knowledge, we're asking you to try and limit it, trying to say, hey, let's just take it out of the story today. So we're not going to quote Revelation. We're not going to jump away to to what Paul says in Romans, it's going to try and just build it. All of the answers that we need are going to flow right out of the story of who Jesus is and what he's done. So that's that's where we're at together today. Uh, I hope that's encouraging for you. I hope that's not intimidating at all for you. Um, what I want to do is I want to pray for us, and then I want to go ahead, and we're going to review what we talked about last week just so that you can catch up if you weren't here, and then I'm going to go ahead and we're going to share the story of God. So let's pray together. Father, man, it's amazing. God, as we've gone through the story, we've seen what we run into every single day. That there's human beings. And we just get this sense, we know that we ought to love people more. We keep finding out that We love ourselves. And it's not that we don't ever do good things. It's just that we're not able to do what we really want to do. It's like a disease. But as we've gone through the story, we find out that that disease is more deadly than we thought. 
and that disease has separated us from You. You're the God who keeps coming to us. You're the God who keeps speaking to us. The God who keeps approaching us. And we're the people who keep pulling back saying, no, 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 we can handle this on our own, God. And we're just finding out that that disease really infects all of us. But it affects us too. Because that separation from you comes at a price and we need help. So I just want to pray for us today, Lord, whether we come from a churchy background or a non-churchy background, or maybe we grew up in a churchy background, but we want nothing to do with it. Lord, I want to pray that today you would just work. Help us to understand that even today you're coming to us. So may we listen to you. May we be open to possibilities. May we be willing to listen to the fact that maybe there's someone that's bigger and has a better idea of what the, what the world is all about than what we do. So help us to listen. Help us to listen to each other. Help us to speak. And in all of this, Lord, I pray that we would see who you are. We love you. We're so thankful for you. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's see. As we jump into this, let's review a little bit of what we saw last week. Last week, now like we said, we've gone through six other weeks in this. Uh, but just to summarize last week, last week we looked at how Jesus lived his life. Everywhere he went, crowds flocked to him and he performed many miracles, healing everyone who came to him. We saw that Jesus has the authority to forgive sin and that he has power over the creation and the authority over demons and can raise the dead back to life. So that's one of the things that we saw last week. Second thing that we saw last week. We also learned this term, the kingdom of God. We learned that the kingdom of God is a kingdom that's really in the heart. And we saw that the only way to the Father is actually through Jesus. Third thing that we saw last week. Last week we also saw a powerful picture of God as a loving Father who is waiting for His sinful children to come home. To come home. So he can shower them with forgiveness and with blessing. I don't know if that's the picture that you have of God, but that's what we were looking at last week when we saw who God was. So I'm going to share in a form of a story the information that we need for this week. And what it's drawn from is from Matthew 26 through 28 from uh, Mark chapters 14 through 16, from Luke chapter 22 through 24, John chapter 13, and then also chapter 17 through 20. So uh, as you can tell, if we sat and read all that this morning, that would take quite a while. So we boiled it down into some really key stories that help us to understand who God is. We encourage you to go back and read those passages yourself. And on your way out, you'll get a sheet that would give you those passages so that you could study these on your own. But but listen, kids, I want you to listen. Now, if you need to just, you know, if you want to close your eyes and listen, this is story. Okay, it's not just fact. 
In, in other words, it's not just a, a recitation of details. We, we put it in the form of a story so that you can track along with it. So if closing your eyes helps you to get that, great. If, if sitting there, you know, kind of looking up here, uh, having to stare at me, that, that helps you, great. But I just want you to track along. Try and remember as many of the details from the story as you possibly can. Here's our scene. Jesus and his disciples traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Everywhere he went, he had compassion on people and met their needs. The Pharisees and the other Jewish leaders were becoming increasingly upset with Jesus and his claims. He continued to tell people that he could forgive their sins. And this enraged the Jewish leaders. They saw this as the ultimate disrespect to God. So they looked for ways to trap Jesus into saying something that they could arrest him for. But Jesus was too wise for them. Many of his stories pointed out the hypocrisy of those Jewish leaders. Jesus said, when the Pharisees and the teachers share with you God's commands, listen to them, but don't follow their example. They don't live out what they teach. The high priests met with the leaders to discuss capturing Jesus and putting him to death. We can't arrest them during Passover, they agreed, or it'll create a huge riot. Jesus and his 12 disciples then met together in a home to celebrate the Passover. During the meal, Jesus picked up some bread and he thanked God for it and he broke it into pieces, giving it to his disciples. And he said, take it and eat it. This is my body that was given to you. Then Jesus picked up a cup of wine and he thanked God for it. And he gave them the cup and he said, all of you drink this. It is my blood given for you. A new covenant between God and man. It is poured out to forgive the sins of many. Remember me when you continue to eat and drink these things together. Jesus told them, when you see what happens tonight, all of you will abandon me. But it's part of God's plan that I will be, be betrayed and die. Don't fear. I will rise again from the dead. He knew that his disciples Judas was going to betray him, bringing Jewish soldiers to capture him later that night when no one was around. After the meal, when it was dark, Jesus went to pray. Filled with pain and sorrow, he pleaded with God, Father, if there's any other way besides my death, please let that happen. But I will do whatever you ask. Just as he finished praying, Judas showed up with an armed mob. He greeted Jesus with a kiss a sign to show the guards which one they should arrest. Jesus said to them, Am I a dangerous criminal that you need weapons to capture me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple where I've been teaching every day? No, 
This is part of God's plan, just as the prophets predicted long ago. When the guards arrested Jesus and dragged him away, the disciples ran away and hid. The guards beat Jesus and brought him before the Jewish leaders for questioning. And they asked him, are you the Messiah, the Son of God? And Jesus answered, I am. And you will see me seated next to God in power, coming back on the clouds of heaven. When Jesus said this, the high priest tore his clothing in horror. And he said, any man who claims to, God, claims to be God must be put to death. Then they slapped Jesus in the face and they spit on him. Jesus was brought to the Roman governor, Pilate, since the Jews could not execute anyone without official approval. The Jewish leaders stirred up the crowds and pressured Pilate to have Jesus put to death. They shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate feared a riot would break out, so he handed Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Crucifixion was the most cruel and humiliating way to die. Jesus was brutally beaten and whipped by the soldiers. They put a crown of sharp thorns on his head and a purple robe on his shoulders. Hail the king of the Jews, they laughed all night the Roman soldiers continued to beat Jesus and mock Him. When morning came, they led Jesus to a place called Skull Hill. And like a criminal, Jesus was nailed to a heavy wooden cross between two thieves. Hanging there, He cried out, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. At noon, darkness filled the skies, blocking out the sun for three hours. And suddenly the thick curtain hanging in the temple tore down the middle. At that moment, Jesus shouted, Father, I give you my life. It's finished. Then Jesus breathed his last and he died. The soldiers broke the legs of the criminals that were crucified next to Jesus to speed up their death. But when they found out that Jesus was already dead, they didn't break his legs. To be sure, one of the soldiers stabbed him in the side with a spear and blood and water poured out. Late Friday afternoon, Jesus' body was taken down from the cross, wrapped in long strips of cloth, and buried in a rich man's tomb. A large stone was rolled over the entrance to the tomb and Roman guards were posted to make sure that nothing happened to his body. You know, early on Sunday morning, some of the women who followed Jesus went to prepare his body for burial. And when they arrived at the tomb, they saw the stone rolled away and the soldiers were gone. Suddenly, two angels appeared. They said, why are you surprised? You're looking for Jesus, but he's not here. He's been raised from the dead. The women were excited, but afraid. And they hurried to tell the disciples the amazing room, news. Some of them ran back to the tomb 
And they looked inside for themselves. Jesus was not there. In fact, Jesus appeared to his disciples many times over the next 40 days. They touched him. They saw him eat. And he performed miracles again. Jesus reminded them of his teaching about the kingdom. And he opened their minds to understand how the whole story has led up to him. You know, over 500 people saw him alive. All right. Let's ask some questions. You ready for that? I know you are. So, easy kind of question to start this out, a little more factual for us, but let's start here. Remember, not just looking for right answers. It's not a test. It's a conversation. But why was Jesus going to Jerusalem? And what do you know about the celebration? So this is where I need some of you brave people to go ahead and talk. Why was Jesus headed to Jerusalem? Okay, Passover. Passover. Jesus was headed to Passover. Huh, that's actually this weekend, isn't it? So what was that all about? What do you know about that celebration? Just help me fill in some details. Yes. Right, right. So, so the, the, the nation of Israel was in Egypt. And what were they doing there? Why were they living there? Okay, they were slaves. They were slaves, so not on their own will. And uh, I don't know, anybody get to watch Ten Commandments last night? I did first time. I've never seen it before. Yeah, I know. Shock. All right, but, but, but what was the story? We, it was a great explanation, right? There were a bunch of plagues. And who's the key guy that we're thinking of? Ben. Moses, okay? So we're thinking about Moses here. And Moses and the, and the Israelites and delivering them. So they had plagues. And there were a number of plagues. But what was the one really big plague? The one that settled it all? Death of the firstborn. And who was affected by this? So this was a threat both to Egypt and to the Israelites. But what was the provision then? How how did that turn out? Let me just at least ask that question. Ann, go ahead. Right. There would be a Passover lamb that a family would take in, a perfect lamb, and they would have to kill that lamb. They would eat it, but then what would they do with the blood? What was the key thing? If you, if you watch the Ten Commandments, Olivia. Yeah, they took it over the door, didn't they? Dipped some hyssop, and they dipped it in there, and they got both the sides and the top, didn't they, of the door. And if they did that, Olivia, what would happen? Yeah, the angel would pass over. And the oldest son in that house would not die. So that's the celebration of Passover. Because what happened after that on Passover? When, when that happened that evening back in Egypt for the Israelites, what was the result? 
There was weeping and, and gnashing of teeth for the Egyptians, right? And what did that finally prompt? Was that, Scott? They were, the, the people were let go from slavery, from captivity, and they were sent out as free people. Okay, great. Good memory, guys. Way to go. Awesome. I hope you guys feel free to... What's that? It didn't last long, but there was. It did last long because, again, God stepped in, right? And, and provided. So that's, that was the 11 o'clock to 11.30 portion of the movie last night. If you need a reference, you can go back to that, right? How does the Passover story, again, that we just reviewed, remind you of Jesus' death? the blood what do you mean go ahead and say a little more and talk a little talk loud i know you got some great insights Mm. okay so it did happen on Passover weekend. It did. Great. Elisa. Hmm. So Jesus saw himself this way, and John the Baptist even pointed to him and said, hey, that's the lamb that's going to take away the sins of the world. Tim. thought of that before just i don't know if you heard him but just as the lamb was examined over a period of time at passover to make sure that it was perfect jesus was examined over a period of time and was shown to be perfect as well awesome great insight good any other connections uh good i'm sorry i don't remember your name grace i thought so sorry go ahead grace Okay, okay. They both resulted in the death of some innocent people. Share a little bit more. What do you mean? Okay, okay. So there's definitely this theme of of death and sorrow that was part of this as well. So Jesus died as an innocent, as an innocent there. Um, great. Thanks, Diane. Did you have your hand up too? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because they would take a branch and dip it in the blood, a branch of hyssop, and they would splatter it, right? And it actually makes a cross, um, you know, as you do that. So, yeah, so that blood would, would point to that. Awesome. So, really, what we're finding out is that Jesus is that Passover lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Let me ask you another strange question, though. Why do you think that the Jewish leaders wanted to kill Jesus? Doesn't that seem a little odd? Why do you think? Grace. Okay. 
They didn't believe that he was the Savior, and he was saying that he was. Great, Ben. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. So he threatened their authority. He threatened their their livelihood. He, he, he threatened a lot of their of their spots. Mike, I saw you. Sure, sure, they wanted to protect the people. How does that tie with what Ben said? You know, just that there, there's this one sense in which they, they risk their own authority, but on the other hand, I'm sure if you asked them, they'd say that, right? That that's one of the really key things there. How do you, how do you bring those together, do you? Okay. Billy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes when we deal with leaders or leadership, are they always really looking out for our best? If, you know, I mean, that's just always one of the questions that can kind of come up, can it? Because this can be a little shaky, a little, a little scary for us. Uh, Tim, what were we going to have? So if you didn't hear Tim, he said Jesus acts like that mirror and he's revealing themselves to themselves. He's showing them what's inside of them. So maybe even if they rationalize it, because I, I know none of you do rationalize, right? I, I do, but I know you, know, you guys are, are better than me, so that's what I'm happy about. I'm glad about that because we, we never tell ourselves we're doing it for this reason when we're really doing it for this reason. But Jesus showed them that. He reflected that because when you looked inside of Jesus, you didn't see self-centeredness. You didn't see um, self-servingness. Instead, you saw someone who loved and served and gave his life for others. So that's pretty threatening. Because do we always like what we see when we actually see ourselves? Have you ever run into something where you found out the reason you didn't get along with that person is because they're so much like you? 
It's not what you're thinking, is it? You're thinking it's because they're so annoying. But then you find out someone says, oh, you guys are just the same. Don't say that. Okay, so let's let's jump forward to this because what Billy said there about this new covenant, old covenant, we're going to talk about this here. What did Jesus mean when he said, take this and eat it, this is my body given for you and drink this, it's my blood given for you, a new covenant between God and his people. In fact, we can even ask this question. What was God's old covenant with his people? Again, Billy brought this up. What, What was God's old covenant? How do you describe that? Peter. Right, right. Who was that covenant given to? Let's just try and get back towards that because we're dealing with the whole story. Brooke, you remember? Right. Okay, right. And do you remember who the first person was in the, in the story or who the, the father of that chosen people was? Abraham. Abraham was the father of that of that nation. Great answers, guys. And and God gave this covenant to Abraham, and and essentially what he said was, I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. Right, Brooke? Great job. Excellent. What about the new covenant? What's different about the new covenant? Is God still going to be his people's God? Yes. Okay. So this is not just a biological thing. This isn't just for descendants of Abraham physically. This new covenant opens things up. Um, Like like Billy was saying, that there's a new inclusion, which for a lot of us is a really great thing, right? Um, But God says in the new covenant, what? I will be your God. And God doesn't just say, I will make you my people. What does he also say with that? What's part of this new covenant? What's unique about this new covenant? Okay, God's Spirit's going to dwell inside of those people. What difference would that make, Scott? Yeah. They're going to be transformed to want to be new people. They're going to be enabled to be new people. So I will be your God and I will enable you to be my people. God's saying, I will help you keep your end of the covenant. Were we able to keep our end of the covenant with Abraham, with the old covenant? That's why Peter brought up the sacrifice, right? Why, why do we need the sacrifices? Yeah. We can't follow all the laws. And if we're really honest, we find out more and more places that we can't follow the laws. All right? But God said in the new covenant, I'm going to help you keep your end of the covenant. So God, in essence, is saying, I am going to keep both parts of the covenant. God says, I'll keep my part which he always did. We saw that through the story. As we go through, we sit there and go, wow, God is the only one who always does what's good and right and perfect. But now God says, I'm actually going to help you do what is good and right and perfect. Okay? Now, we've got a lot more to talk about that in the next coming weeks. That's why we're only in week seven. But what, here, here's another question, kind of a different tack here. But what do you think the curtain in the temple, what, why do you think that tore in half? 
What did the curtain separate? So what do you th- why do you think the curtain in the temple tore in half? And why did that temple why did that why did that separate? Let me see if I can get some other people in the mix. I, I saw those hands over there. April. Yeah. Right. And and how often was that priest allowed in there? Do you remember? Okay. Once a year. I heard people saying, once a year. Once a year, one high priest was allowed to step into the very presence of God with great fear of actually dying. And yet that temple now, that, that curtain's torn in half. So what does that mean for us now? What's that image? What's that picture? Josiah. We can now come into the presence of God and there doesn't have to be a priest between us and God. Instead, there's an entryway now into the Holy of Holies, a way that we can go into the very presence of God. Sinful people. Sinful people can now become holy people who can enter the presence of God. A couple questions for you detail people. Okay, these are, these are ones good for you detail people. How did Jesus fulfill the prophet's predictions about the coming Messiah? You remember just some of these prophecies? We already mentioned a couple of them. So if you want to piggyback on what Ann said earlier, you got a couple answers already. So I'm, I'm throwing it out there for you. Mark. Mm. Absolutely. That's a, that's a huge prophecy. came 800 years before Jesus was born and one pretty much out of his control, right? Because when you're dead, you can't stop people from breaking your bones. So what other ones? Do you remember any other of the prophecies about the coming Messiah? Billy. Yes. Okay. Okay. Great. And I love that you guys have scriptural, refer- scriptural references. You don't have to, though. I just don't want to set a standard where people sit there and go, oh, I know the, the chapter and verse. Uh, it's great to be there, but Tim. What else do you remember? There were a whole bunch. Diane. Born in Bethlehem. Ben. Side pierced. Yes, Alvin. Hmm. Okay, you think that's why they killed him? Because he said he would do just about anything for God. Felix. Cast lots for his clothing. Uh, Kim. He'd be betrayed by somebody very close to him. Okay, he's God's son. Great. So there's a lot. Um, Let me get uh, Tim. He'd be raised again. Billy. Yeah. Yeah. Great. There's a lot of factual evidence that supports Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that was predicted. And in fact, you can actually, you know, work the statistics on that. There's some interesting illustrations. I won't go into them, but there are some strong, you know, things that we need to wrestle through.
So let me ask you this question, because these start getting a little more. Do you remember what Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross? What did Jesus say when he was hanging on the cross, Anne? Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. How could Jesus possibly forgive those who are killing him? I don't know. What do you think? Grace. Okay, he's perfect and he forgives everyone. Does that mean it was easy for him? In other words, is it easy for you to forgive people who've hurt you? Is that simple? Maybe it depends on how bad they've hurt you, right? But, you know, so is that is that simple for him? Tim. Yeah, so did Jesus do this just because it was the right thing to do? Or was there more in his heart that was part of this when it comes to this level of forgiveness? Mm. Okay. Yeah. That's really huge. So this is the ultimate form of forgiveness. And... I was going to ask, were these guys off the hook just because they were doing their job? Were they sinners or were they, you know, in other words, did they do what was right or did they do what was wrong? What do you think? How many people say they were doing what was right? How many people say they were doing what was wrong? Just to get a sense of that. So Jesus is asking for forgiveness for, for sinful people. It's pretty amazing love after the way they, they treated him. And yet Jesus is able to forgive them. Here's a, here's a companion question. Brooke. <laughs> so Jesus was dying for their sins while they were killing him. Wow. It's weighty, isn't it? Let me ask you a question of your life. And, and you, you, know, you can answer this. You don't need to, but do you believe that God can forgive you for what you've done in your life? Again, I'm not going to ask you to talk about this. But maybe an internal, you really need to answer this question. Do you really believe that God can forgive you for what you've done in, in your life? Diane. Yeah. Okay. So someone may believe that God can forgive, but then they can't forgive themselves 
And is that right? You know, it's kind of what you're saying, that that's that's, that's pretty presumptuous to sit there and say, God can forgive. God can say I'm forgiven, but I can't forgive myself. Do you think people can struggle with that? Yeah. Okay, so someone can take it kind of lightly and be like, of course. You know, it, it could almost sound like, well, he has to forgive me. He, he just has to. And it doesn't, doesn't matter what I do. I just live the way I want. That's okay. Alvin, what do you think? Okay. 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 Good. Awesome. Awesome. It's a big question, isn't it? Grace. Okay, so what do we call that when 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 things come alongside of our sin? Does God really forgive us, or does He really punish us? Okay, both. Who takes the punishment for our sin? Jesus did, right? What do we call the other parts that come with it then? Okay, consequences could be a, could be a term, right? Because when, when we do these things, you know, we Steve. What's that? Training. Okay, penance, training. Do you, do you see that, you know, because it's hard for us to believe that. When hard things happen, what do I want? I want forgiveness and I want to be completely forgiven and I want all of it wiped away. I don't want any consequences. But I like what Steve called it, training. Because training is a loving father, right, who trains or a loving coach who trains. Not a, not a punishing jailer or something else like that, right? Yeah. Hmm. Sure. Okay. Great question. I do. I think I do. Right. So when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Does that mean that all of them were, um, were forgiven and went to heaven with him? Because he forgave them. What do you guys think? That's a great question, Ann Gabe. What do you think? Let me let me get a couple. Give it an opportunity, Felix. Hmm. Okay. So we see we see a we see a soldier, you know, making a, a unique kind of statement that was more like a faith kind of statement where he believed that or accepted that. Kim, did I see your hand?
Okay. So we're kind of wrestling. Is this carte blanche? Does it cover everybody, or is there is there sort of a, a calling or an option? Tim. Hmm. Okay. How's this similar to Passover? Let's just jump back to that picture. How how would this maybe relate to the picture that we saw in Passover when we when we're wrestling with this question right here? Josh. Okay, so if you heard Josh, you had the option. You could take the Passover lamb and put the blood on the doorpost or not. But if you didn't, you wouldn't be able to argue with the, the angel of death that, that hey, God just, you know, there's, there's lambs all over the place and, and we're all covered by that. So it seems like there's a... So let me ask this question to kind of move this forward uh, from here. Do you believe that God has forgiven you. I'm not going to look for any answers on that. But do you believe that God has forgiven you? If God could forgive these soldiers that were killing him, if God could forgive them, we're, we're wrestling with something pretty powerful there, but do you believe that God has actually forgiven you? Maybe you think of the worst thing that you've done. Do you believe that God's forgiven you? So a couple other questions. We're almost, we're almost done. You guys are doing a great job. I really appreciate it. I love this. H- how is Jesus being raised from the dead significant then? What does it show us about Jesus? Billy. Authority. What do you mean? So it shows Jesus authority. Let me just kind of think back to the stories because are similar type of things. I don't want to get to Josh right after this, but what when uh, remember the story? I think we were looking at last week where Jesus came in and the religious teachers were listening to him, and there was a man who was desperately in need of healing. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, "Your sins are forgiven." And what did the religious teachers say back to that? So, 
Only God can do that. So then what did he do after that, Josiah? Do you remember? Yes. He said, okay, only God can forgive sins, but to show you that I have the authority to forgive sins, I will now heal your physical body. So there's a sign, there's a showing. Kind of like Billy said that there's this sign, there's this showing. When Jesus rose from the dead, one of the things it did was prove that he didn't just talk this out and say, hey, I'll die and, and forgive you all. It was a sign. Josh. Mm. Wow. That's a great, that's an important thing, isn't it? Proves that Jesus didn't die for his own sins. It proves that he died for our sins. Awesome. Anne. Very different. Okay. Okay. No one but God could do that. Brooke. Hmm. Yeah, glorified body. Yes. Okay. So it's showing that there's a new creation. And in fact, even that... that Death is no longer the enemy it used to be for those who are in Christ. So it shows that Jesus conquered death, doesn't it? The results of human sin and rebellion. He conquered that. And he didn't just like trade his life for ours to atone for our sins. In fact, he actually secured a whole new life for us. From what we now know of Jesus and what he taught, how could humans be set free from the penalty of sin? set free from death and separation from God. From what we know, how can human beings be set free? Billy. Hmm. Mm. Okay, so we place faith in his work rather than trying to work our own way in. Ben, okay, awesome. They put their faith and their trust in the work of Jesus' death and resurrection on their behalf. Is God calling us to work harder so that we earn his love? No. He's calling us to believe that Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live and he died the death that we deserved. That's what he's calling us to. And he's calling us to move from a life that's determining right or wrong for ourselves. Remember back to the garden? To turning to God through Jesus and trusting his way for our life. 
Remember, we, we, this all started out in the garden where we sat there and said, God, we're not sure you know what's good and best for us. We want the power. But somebody comes to new life in Jesus to forgiveness when they finally say, you know what, God, I'm going to believe that you know the best way for me to live. You know what the good life is. And I'm going to follow you. Because I haven't done very well at this so far. It hasn't turned out so well for me. So we spent the last seven weeks looking at the story, and it is the true story. This is the story about a holy God that pursued sinful and rebellious humans because he had the desire to restore them to a close and a loving relationship. If that's not your story, one of the questions we get asked is, what is your story? If that's not your story, what is your story? And maybe one or two questions that we would ask is just this. Is your story primarily um, a story about you or a story about God? Story is so important for us, right? Is your story primarily about you or is your story primarily about God? And the second question is this. Which story do you currently live by? Which story do you currently live by? Well, it's been great this morning to get to um, to share together like this. I want to leave those two questions with you. What's your story? What's the story of your life? Do you believe what Jesus said? Do you believe that God's pursuing you so that you can have a close and intimate relationship with him? Or do you have a different story? And even if you say, yes, I believed that when I was three. Yes, I believed that when I was six. The second question is sort of interesting, isn't it? Because it's not asking, when did you first trust that idea? It's asking you, okay, yesterday, whose story did you live by? You know, we want to be a help to you if you're looking through your life to try and find out how to live according to God's story. If you've got questions, we want to come alongside of you with that. We want to encourage you. You don't need to walk an aisle. You just need to sit there and say to Jesus, just like that Roman soldier Truly, this was the Son of God. Just like that, you know, if you look at yourself and say, boy, I am more like a thief on the cross next to Jesus. What did he do? He reached out as simply as he could, and he just expressed faith and confidence and trust in God. And what was Jesus' reply to him? His reply was, today you'll be with me in glory, in paradise. You'll be with me. So I want to call you to just think through those critical questions and if there's any way we can serve you in understanding the answers to those questions we want to be part of that with you thanks for your thanks for your conversation thanks for being a part of this we're going to wrap this up by singing we're going to wrap this up by celebrating so i'm going to invite the music team to come and give us an opportunity to send us out together today to kind of continue this party just to let you know after this there is a little party set up downstairs Uh, Some food, some coffee, some stuff. 
This is a day of celebration, so we would love to have you step downstairs with us and enjoy that time, connect with people for a little while. We hope that you'd stay and enjoy some of that just freely and generously, okay? Thank you.